Welcome back, everybody. It's CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I am joined, as always, by Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge. Follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter machine. And a lot to unpack here, a lot to go over. So let's dive right in, Nick. Um, lots and lots of uh, week two upsets. Uh, Fraud Watch was on full alert. Texas A&M loses to App State. Marshall beats Notre Dame. Washington State beat Wisconsin. Kentucky beat Florida. And, you know, I hate that it's a what-if game. What if Quinn Ewer stays healthy? What if Colt McCoy stays healthy against uh, Alabama? But that's what it turned into because Longhorns lost by a single point to the number one ranked team in the nation. We were talking about that. Uh, right after the game, too, because I was asking you, when was the last time a team lost a game and then became ranked afterwards? And it's been done before. We know it's been done before, but we couldn't remember a certain instance. I don't know if you uh, found one or not, but I don't remember one. But uh, that's exactly what happened with the Longhorns. They uh, <laughs> lost and then were ranked 21st after a loss, which is uh, very strange. But um, it was a crazy week too. Um, what, what were your big takeaways from these teams getting upset, Nick? Well, I think from beginning to end, it was one of the most entertaining days of college football in my recent memory. I mean, it, you know, we had six different overtime games, two of those being uh, top 25 matchups. Uh, another involved a top 25 team. I mean, you know, BYU and Baylor, uh, finish things off for most of us in the evening. Uh, a ranked matchup went to overtime. Tennessee and Pitt uh, started the day for you know many of us, and, and that game, of course, went to overtime with Tennessee coming up on on top. Texas and Houston, or excuse me, Texas Tech and Houston um, was a great game. UTSA and Army. I mean, there were so many uh, just exciting games that came down, not just to the wire, but you know, into overtime, but of course, number one, Alabama getting tested uh, by Texas was a lot of fun to watch upsets. As you mentioned, Notre Dame going down to Marshall and, and app state, I mean, huge day for the, the Sun Belt. Um, it was just basically wall to wall, exciting stuff <laughs> and uh, plenty of unexpected things. Uh, our projections actually did well, which was nice after a horrible <laughs> week one. Um, so all in all, it was a uh, just a really incredible, enjoyable weekend from a games, you know, perspective. Um, obviously, you know, the big news uh, with Nebraska parting ways with Scott Frost, it, it, you know, unfortunately for, for all involved, I think was, was probably time. Um, but a huge win for Georgia Southern and, and Clay Helton, um, who's off to a great start uh, with his new job. Um, it was just a, a crazy Saturday of college football, um, that is going to be, you know, pretty difficult to top, uh, anytime soon, I'd say. Yeah, it was great, Xavier, wasn't it? I mean, you know, unfortunately, my Longhorns lost, but it was a great battle, and they look real good. So I guess we'll take the moral victory there. But also, Texas A&M loses. So 
it was really a great weekend uh, losing uh, at home to App State. Pay him a million and a half in right. three for them. Uh, it's just fantastic. We got Scott Frost out of there, which you and I have uh, been calling for for a while at, at this point. You know, not that you ever want to see anyone lose their job, but it was just, it, it just. But when you deserve to, then. Yeah, it's also ballsy to take that job, I, I feel like, from him. He was sitting pretty at Central Florida, right. and you're already a legend there. You know, all you can do is tarnish your legacy. That's it. You can't, you you know, even if, unless you win a national championship, you're not going to bring this, uh, you're not going to put anything better on your name than winning a Heisman there. Well, let's not forget though. Sorry to to jump in, but that was like the no brainer home run hire of that cycle. I don't blame either one of them. Yeah. He was headed to Florida. Uh, right. And, and then yeah. it's like, Oh no, he, he actually wants to go to Nebraska. Like he wants to go back home. Um, right. how could Nebraska, you know, land Scott Frost, the hottest coach in the country, uh, probably could go to, you know, two or three, sure. uh, what were considered better jobs at the time. And, but if it, you remember also, on paper, perfect. I said, I said the same thing when they hired him. Uh, I, I did say that. I said, look, this seems like a match made in heaven. It's just dicey. It's just dicey for a guy like if, uh, Tim Tebow got into coaching and, you know, um, you know, obviously you started a smaller school and then he wants to go and coach at Florida. You're not going to, it's not going to be better for you than it was when you were a player winning the Heisman and national championships. It's just not. It doesn't really matter what you do. You're going to be under thumb. You're going to be over criticized. That's what being a coach is. So it's always dicey to go back to the school where you built your legacy and, uh, you know, everything. So it hurt Scott Frost in, in the long run. Yep. I'm sure he'll get a crack at another small school to bring them back and, and you know, rebuild them and himself at the same time. Uh, but Xavier, not only that, but fraud watch completely worked out. Yes. Texas A&M loses. That was fantastic. So uh, your your reaction to week number two here? Yeah, the, the, the Sun Belt, as we affectionately call it down here, the Fun Belt was absolutely that. It was it was a it was one hell of a weekend for everybody involved. Obviously, Marshall gets an upset victory as well over Notre Dame. Um, I think. Oh, and obviously, George Southern beats Nebraska. You know, A&M beats uh, A&M loses to App State. It was a great weekend for the Sun Belt. I, I don't think there was a better weekend possible uh, unless Georgia State pulls off the upset against North Carolina. Then you're talking about maybe the best for a, a G5 maybe ever, uh, you know, that kind of weekend to beat two AP top 10 teams. Yeah. And, and then obviously two uh, teams that have obviously, the, the, you know, the gravity of both North Carolina and Nebraska. But on top of that, for the second week in a row, special teams matters. I mean, geez, at this point, I feel like at every level, I kickers are just not stepping up to the plate uh and it's been an unfortunate reality uh we saw it in the byu matchup you know over over uh, over baylor if they had a better kicker they probably wouldn't that game it's just you know I, I, it's an unfortunate reality of the situation um also you know there are plenty uh, of uh there, there are plenty of nfl teams where right if they had a better kicker they probably win their games too so not just not just a college problem uh, an nfl problem as well it's crazy exactly all the way around Right. And then you've got, you know, it, you've got people asking the question after this weekend if Jimbo should be out at AM. Then you realize they have to owe him $90 million. And you're like, ah, psych, not going to happen. Because uh, nobody, <laughs> you know, they, they just gave him that massive extension. 
So it's just like it, it just felt like this weekend you still didn't learn anything from the multitude of college football. The, the only like thing we may have learned is that Texas, you know, football might have, you know, might indeed have a pulse uh, going forward. And, and that is a great thing to see. Uh, I know a ton of SEC fans were hoping you guys got pummeled just for that whole argument sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I'm excited. Not so fast, my friend. Well, yeah, that's I right. mean, that, that's great because obviously with you all moving to the SEC in a couple of years, this game was kind of a, you know, kind of foreshadowing to what may be the case. And I think that was hugely important for you guys, not only to put out a good showing, but for everybody to put out a good showing. Your fan base was amazing. It was raucous. It was a great crowd. Um, you know, and I think that ultimately Texas, like, I mean, everybody should already have thought this, but Texas fits in great in the SEC, period. Uh, so I, I think that this weekend was fun. It was great. I couldn't keep my eyes off the screen all day. Um, even out, I was on my phone the, the entire time. Uh, it, it was just a really fun weekend. And college football has given us two good weekends back to back. But as college football typically does, they're not, do- it, you know, it's not done yet. We're not we, even close. Right. right. We've still got 10 weeks and something crazier is going to happen. It's college football. It does it every year. Uh, um, so let's see. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's gonna be it's gonna be another fun, exciting week uh, of college football. So, um, you know, uh, strap in. We ain't even close to them. We had six overtime games. Nick BYU over Baylor, Tennessee over Pitt, Texas Tech over Houston, UTSA, who exclusively plays in overtime games, which makes me nervous because we're probably gonna have to run the third string QB out against UTSA uh, this week, and they're a tough opponent. Uh, but they beat Army. Uh, Eastern Kentucky be Bowling Green. How how the hell did this team beat Minnesota last year? Is I'm still wondering how that happened. Wait, wait, uh, but, but did you see the play that they ran? In the I didn't see any of it. Oh, <laughs> you missed it. They just that was like an offensive lineman. Yeah, they decided to run a open ladder with an offensive lineman. I had had uh, so I got to tell you guys after the first run of games, I was pretty mad. Right, I, I uh, obviously Texas lost. Uh, but the other big thing was uh, in my article that I wrote, which I still went seven and three. So, like, I'll take a season of that. But two of my losses were Miami. Uh, I picked them against the spread, which they did not hit. And I picked them to hit the over. And I will never, I don't think, ever be convinced that the entire offense wasn't hungover. They were all hungover. It was an early game. Uh, they, they were in Miami, and they look like, garbage until like the third fourth quarter uh so i'm just convinced that the entire offense was hung over party school you know playing a weak opponent blah 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 so uh but um yeah so i didn't see that but kansas over west virginia uh a little uh, how about this fact and, and correct me if i'm wrong but i believe your highest average scoring team in college football right now is the kansas jayhawks at like 55 and a half points a game or something like that, Nick. So lots of overtime, uh, lots of fun games. What do you think about the OT games here? Oh, just incredible. Um, I mean, (laughs) there was so much going on that I sort of have a little bit of a foggy memory trying to think of, of, you know, something from each individual game, if that makes sense. You know, sometimes on a college football Saturday, we're treated to, you know, one incredible game if we're lucky. And so then you think of, you know, maybe it went to overtime or a last second, uh, you know, win, win it on the final play kind of thing. And that happened half a dozen times or more um, that it, it all sort of, you know, starts to run together a little bit. 
Um, but you know, you were talking about being on the wrong end. We did have a little bit of bad luck on a, a couple of these, just as far as the projections go, because that's usually what's going through my mind a lot during the day. Uh, we were on the, the wrong side of Tennessee uh, covering against Pitt, of Texas Tech covering against Houston. We were on both underdogs. So, you know, had it ended in a tie, of course, uh, which doesn't happen, we would have been um, on the, the right side of things. But uh, I guess it evened out because we were on UTSA and we were on BYU. So those those things have a way of, of uh, you know, evening out here and there. But I, I certainly was thinking at the time, you know, man, Tennessee, uh, they're going to cover and, and we're going to lose that one. And, and <laughs> I don't know. anyway, I, I go off on uh, on that. But it just again, incredible slate of games. There were so many one after the other, two or three at a time. Um, it was hard to keep up. And, and quite honestly, it's hard for me to, to remember it all. Like I'm trying to go through <laughs> box scores to remind myself today. I was, you know, rewatching, uh, trying to do like key moments, rewatch some of these games. Um, and there was just so, so much that happened this past week that, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. We were very fortunate and we might not get it again this year. Hopefully we will. Um, but just, yeah, again, an incredible weekend. Lots of fun. Xavier, uh, your final thoughts on the weekend. Uh, obviously, um, you know, Scott Frost being gone should help Nebraska. I mean, it doesn't get easier. They played Oklahoma this week. <laughs> this week. That's not a fun game. We'll, we'll talk about that one too, uh, in the week three preview, but, uh, any other uh, closing thoughts before we put week two to bed and move on to week three? I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the overreaction machine is going to be out again this week. Uh, I think, you know, last week it was, you know, Anthony Richardson is going to be the first quarterback taken, uh, this week it's going to, you know, I, I think, um, I think we also have, you know, some overreactions in some other ways, you know, now I think people are sold that Texas is officially back. Uh, I think some people are sold that, you know, uh, Anthony Richardson isn't what they thought he would be, which I, which is a funny narrative to have after what he did in week one. Um, the Pac-12 is looks like USC's to lose at this point. Uh, they looked absolutely dominant against Stanford. And that is a game that I myself even talked about possibly being a trap game with I think they play – Utah in two weeks, either next, yeah, in two weeks. So, um, you know, I, I think that that USC is by far and away the best looking Pac-12 team at the moment. Um, BYU continues to win games in every fashion possible. Um, it's very impressive. They do it without two of their starting receivers. Just, uh, just a really good performance from them. Way to, to to get that dub over a good team, a good Baylor team, and a well coached Baylor team at that as well. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I think you know. Oh, and lastly. And, I, and this is, yes, absolutely me throwing shade. I think the South Carolina hype is probably gone now. And right. <laughs> right it, is, it is about time. I think I think that all that hype that they were coming into the season with, they you know they had two first-place votes this year to, fin- to win the SEC East? Anyways, that's neither here nor there. I think the hype is completely gone. And if it's not, the, that fire will be completely doused this week as they play Georgia. I mean, if you voted, if you voted for that team, to win the SC anything in the SEC, it's time to hang them up. Is what I would say. Maybe, maybe quit. Oh. Uh, maybe quit voting. Oh, know. lastly, I gotta add this part because this is something I, a narrative I wanted to look at coming into the year. Adrian Martinez looks great at Kansas State. I guess leaving Nebraska helped him out. 
They looked really good against Missouri. Adrian Martinez looks like exactly what we thought he might be for three years at Nebraska. I mean, he hasn't been, I tell you what, he hasn't been putting up points in CFF, not <laughs> enough to get him on the field because uh, I, I have him rostered. So uh, I'm not, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you there. I'll say he looks better, but I wouldn't say that he looks great. Uh, but uh, Nick, uh, anything else on week three? You want to touch on any injuries or anything? Or yeah, you- there, there are some injuries I think worth mentioning. Uh, quarterbacks, obviously, you know, at Texas, unfortunately, Quinn Ewers, uh, went down with a shoulder injury. Hudson Card also um, had a, an ankle that he was, you know, playing through, but not sure that he'll be able to, to, you know, give it a go this next week. We will see on that. Um, Ohio State played without two of its best receivers, which are, you know, two of the best receivers in the country, arguably at least, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba certainly is. Um, he was out with a hamstring. It sounds like he's uh, expected to play this week and, and hopefully he'll be back, you know, close to hundred uh, percent. Notre Dame lost Tyler Buckner to a shoulder injury. He's going to be out probably for at least the regular season, if not the entire year. Uh, we had quarterback injuries at Akron at Ole Miss uh, Pitt. Keaton Slovis went down right before halftime and, and didn't return. Sounds like he might be able to, to come back as well. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson went out with an injury. Um, similarly, I think he's already back and practicing. They were playing an FCS opponent, so probably more cautionary than than anything. But um, pretty pretty long list, and we know that it'll continue to grow uh, over the course of the season. You know, a game that that uh, I think will uh, actually not on our list to to talk about, but uh, South Carolina um, lost two starters in the linebacker core to season ending injuries um, also have three starting defensive backs that are questionable at best uh, for this week. So going up against the new number one uh, in the, in the polls, uh, Georgia, even at home will be without at least two starters on defense and as many as five. So um, that's, that's pretty uh, rough injury luck to, to go in, but um you know, a lot of a lot of nicks and bruises out there starting to add up a little bit. Um, Arkansas, unfortunately, Jalen Catalan, All-American caliber safety. He'll be out for the rest of the year. Second straight season ending injury uh, for him. So pretty long list and, and certainly some impactful players. Uh, the highlights or, or, you know, at least the ones that, that grab the headlines, uh, most likely, you know, Ewers and, and Buckner. Both of those guys will be out for a while, but um, pretty impactful players across a lot of positions. Yeah, I mean, uh, losing that many players, never a good thing, but it is the nature of the beast uh, in football. So uh, not going to be the first week that we talk about injuries. Uh, ain't going to be the last either. So let's head in towards uh, week three here and start with a ranked, a little ranked on ranked action. Miami on the road at Texas A&M both coming off of poor performances, uh, especially the Aggies losing at home. The official line here is the Aggies by five and a half. We've got it closer to a four and a half point spread. The official total is 48 and a half. We have these teams uh, projected to score a little bit more than that at 55 and a half. So uh, Nick, your thoughts on Miami at Texas A&M here. Well, I'd, I'd argue with you just a little bit that both are coming off poor performances. I, I mean, Miami obviously didn't, uh, didn't cover 
but defense played quite well. And defense was fine. They were not hungover. <laughs> they didn't go to whatever party the entire offense did. Whole offense was hungover. I will never. I you cannot convince me otherwise because I watched a lot of that game. <laughs> Uh, and it, I had Texas here. I had Miami here because I had, you know, two bets on it. And, uh, yeah, did, uh, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. They were, hung up. uh, but, oh, uh, that, that does lead me into, uh, something I do want to mention, uh, our FBS team profiles, we do have, um, uh, you know, stats that we refer to often. We've got sort of five that we set aside as, as what we see as, you know, pretty important stats, yards per play, points per drive, yards per pass attempt, success rate, and then EPA per play, which we use uh, CFB data's uh, PPA, per, uh, predicted points added. Um, and then we do offense, defense, and, and then a net of all of those. Uh, the play-by-play data for several teams is a little bit of a mess, and that impacts some of the advanced stats. So even though we did decide to go ahead and put those in our team profiles, there's there are some imperfections, and it is, of course, uh, early in the season. But according to you know defensive points per drive, points per drive allowed, Miami's right now in the top 10 in the country through uh, two weeks, and that's actually – only based on uh, FBS opponents filtered for garbage time. So this is only against uh, Southern Miss. But good showing last week, success rate uh, through two weeks, pretty good, top 15 in that nationally. Uh, EPA per play on defense, top 15 nationally. So that Miami defense, I think, is going to be pretty good. And, and, you know, with the struggles that we saw from Texas A&M offensively last week where, you know, there is some uh, louder, you know, whispers that you know will jump, uh, will Jimbo Fisher, you know, eventually hand over play calling duties to someone else. Is it uh, time to give Max Johnson a look at quarterback after Haynes King struggled at times? Devin Chain, you know, looked explosive at times on offense and special teams. And Ia Smith had a huge week one. Evan Stewart, five star wide receiver is going to be, you know, a potential superstar, but uh, had a big fumble in the game, you know, last week, and and that was detrimental. So uh, Texas A&M might be struggling a little bit to, to move the football again, but um, both offenses, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, Miami a little slow to get going last week. So this could be a bit of a uh, defensive struggle, our projections, because we do – uh, you know, we're, we're not using all 2022 data. Obviously, it's imperfect as it is, but um, we use a lot of, you know, past data at this point in the season. Um, so we're on the over pretty big. Uh, we have it projected at, at 55 and a half. That seems unlikely to me at this point. Our final score prediction is 30 to 26. We do have Miami covering. Um, but I would not be at all surprised if this is more of a, you know, 21, 17, 2017, something in that range, um, points will probably be at a premium and, and, uh, both these teams do have the ability or at least the, the talent to run the football. Um, but both defenses are going to make that a little bit of a, uh, an issue. And, and so I would expect a, a, you know, low scoring game, a close, uh, game, um, but it will be, you know, I, I, I will be interested to see will one of these offenses 
take a step forward um, after Miami slow start and Texas A&M's, uh, you know, struggles throughout the, the entire game uh, of their upset loss. So big tests for both, both offenses especially, um, but should be, you know, a competitive game. And, and I would expect um, a chance for, for both defenses to shine. Xavier, what do you think of this one? Uh, do you think that Miami is going to have enough to go on the road and win? I mean, Texas A&M obviously is going to be laser-focused after losing to App State last week. So how do you see this one playing out? If Haynes King is a starting quarterback for this team, A&M has no shot of winning this ballgame. I, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. He does not look like he has the command of the offense that he should in year two. He looks like a little bit like he just is – a, a little overconfident in what he wants to do running the football. You know, I know Jimbo in game one against Sam Houston, you know, one of the things that he hit on why Haynes was a starting quarterback was because of the fact that he had an element of running. But listen, at this point, it feels like he's just using it because he's got nowhere to go. Um, and unfortunately, unless it's a chain, he really doesn't look like he has a comfortability with any of the rest of the receivers. Um, and, and yes, defensively, this is a team that can hold, you know, Miami to 21 points. 24 points, something or rather. My problem is, is can AM put up enough points to compete? And, and right now, their offense has not looked great. It sputtered mightily against App State, but it, it wasn't even uh, prolific against Sam Houston in some respects. I'm expecting to see them. I'm, I'm expecting to see Max Johnson as that, as that as that quarterback in at least a week. If not midway through this game, then you got to pull the plug. Because at this point, I understand the hype that the kid came in with. I understand his, 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 you know, what what was promised of him before he got injured last year. He just doesn't look like he's made any strides. And obviously when you're rehabbing for a full year, that can happen. But also you've got games to win. And right now, you know, you, you still haven't lost a game in SEC play, so you're fine. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm not looking forward to watching Haynes King be the quarterback of that team any further. And I know Jimbo, that leash has got to be extremely short. Um, when you're looking at Miami, I love Travis Van Dyke. I think he has a really good future, or Tyler Van Dyke, excuse me. I think he's got a huge, uh, an excellent future ahead of him. My biggest question for him is, can he be just a little bit more confident in his throws? Um, also, he's just got to, he's got to be better with his progressions. Uh, he is a guy who, even last year, he gets locked on to his favorite guy. That's who he goes to. And to your, and to their credit, you know, A and M's defense has been better or has been good this year. Um, I just don't think it's been enough. So far, obviously, um, and for me, my big not their fault they lost that game. No, absolutely yeah. not. Right, you, you give seventeen points to a F, to a G five team, you should win that ball. Game, period. Like, there's no there's no you know qualms or questions about it. You should win that ball game if you give up only seventeen points, especially when a couple of those were have, having you know, especially with having the time of possession that you know A and M didn't have. Right, App State had what forty five minutes of possession, so you know that that defense did an excellent job holding that team to seventeen points. When App State had the ball for almost for, for three quarters of the game, you know, so or eighty percent of the game, so I, I uh, kudos to A and M's defense. It'll be interesting how good they really are this week um, against a more a little bit more of an explosive offense. Um, and I'm expecting Miami to try and stretch the field, try and get to some of those corners, and see if that's where they can exploit these guys. Because uh, up front, I don't think it's going to happen. They they look very stout, especially against the run um, in that ball game. So. I'm looking at Miami to win this game. I think they just have a little bit more explosiveness offensively. They'll come with a couple of more plays that will end up winning them the game. I've got this final score 24-14.
especially if Haynes King is not is still the guy out there. I just don't believe in that AM offense at all. It feels like it's a chain and every and nobody else. Um, that offensive line was bad um, in, in the, the softest way I could put it. So I just don't see them putting up more than 14 points in this ball game. Um, and Miami just is going to find more ways to score. Yep. And uh, betcha they will be nice and focused. Uh, you know, I, I, I think uh, coming out and stinking it up in the first half really uh, will help them yeah, get on the right path here. So uh, we'll see. But we move over to the next game. Number 11, Michigan State on the road against Washington. The spread here is Washington by three and a half. We have it as about the same. Uh, the totals 58. We're in the ballpark there, too. So, uh, Nick, in this game, it looks like we're going to have Washington favored. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I was a, a tiny bit surprised with that. And I think a lot of uh, folks, when this um, point spread you know, was first posted by the odds makers, there was some surprise because Michigan State you know, is a top 15 team in the polls and uh, has played really pretty well. Got off to a little bit of a slow start in week one against Western Michigan, but um, you know, left absolutely no doubt last week against Akron, neither opponent, uh, you know, being uh, very difficult, but still, you know, Michigan state is, has taken care of business uh, in the first two weeks and they have, um, you know, covered, in both instances and coming off a, a really special season that they had last year, a lot of folks would probably expect um, a little more respect, maybe, uh, especially with Washington, you know, though they have looked much, much better, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So pardon me so far this year uh, also has had, you know, two relatively weak opponents, Kent state, was a bowl team last year, but, you know, not uh, able to match up talent wise. And then an FCS opponent in Portland state last week. Um, but Washington is, you know, favored here. It, it is at home, obviously. Um, but it still seems probably to most and, and maybe to me a little bit, even and, and our, as you mentioned, our numbers are very much in line with what the odds makers have here, but it, it seems a little, too much too soon in some ways with Washington. Um, they're a team that uh, I think it's obvious some of the improvements that they've made and, and Michael Penix has played really, really well so far uh, through two weeks as a starting quarterback. Jalen McMillan looks like a dynamic receiver uh, in this offense. They've been able to run the ball a little bit, um, you know, not, like they're leading the country or anything, but uh, they were just really, really bad at it last year. And and so to uh, have a little bit of balance is, is probably, you know, a good thing. And we, you know, this is a, a, a defense that did play quite well defending the pass last year against the run was, was uh, pretty bad, but through two weeks. And then again, the competition hasn't been great, um, but they're, solid you know looking again at those imperfect numbers um their top three uh or excuse me they're they're top 25 in success rate allowed top 40 in epa per play uh top 50 nationally in yards per play allowed uh against fbs opponents so um very very small sample size uh, for both teams but um this does seem to be a little more evenly matched than 
you know, if you're just looking at, at what the final record for either team was last year, you know, that, that being said, I am, I think, uh, pleased that our projection came in just under the three and a half. We have it at about 3.2. So we are on Michigan state to cover. It wouldn't shock me at all. If, if Michigan state, uh, wins this game wins on the road, it would be a, a you know, pretty impressive victory, uh, despite again, what the you know records were last year. Um, this is going to be a tough matchup because Washington, I think, was a little bit better, certainly more talented than how they played last year. I think that this was a program that has benefited from uh, you know a new coaching staff, gave a little bit of a jolt um, in a similar way to you know what Michigan State. Uh, has done the first few years under Mel Tucker, but um, it still feels a little early for Washington to, you know, get this win. Um, that said, you know, they match up decently well from a talent perspective. Uh, there is a little bit of a concern with Michigan State injury-wise. Uh, their top wide receiver, Jaden Reed, went out with an injury last week. It's not clear whether or not he will be back. I think they're hopeful maybe. Um, but Michigan State's you know pretty tight-lipped when it comes to injuries. Uh, Xavier Henderson has also been dealing with an injury, All-American caliber safety. Um, so that's certainly something to watch. They've already lost a you know starting defender, Darius Snow, moved from nickelback to linebacker this past offseason. He suffered a season-ending injury uh, early on. So Michigan State a little bit banged up. Those easy wins haven't you know they've come with a little bit of a a cost. Um, but I've been really, really impressed with Michigan state. They've played better than our, you know, projection. We are lower on them than the pollsters. They're, you know, 36 than our most recent power ratings. That honestly feels a little low based on the performance that they put on the field the first couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, they're, they're still a team that our numbers don't fully trust. And I think the same with Washington as well. So uh, I'm not sure we'll, we'll get an answer regardless of who wins. Uh, if one of these teams is truly, you know, top 25, top 15 caliber, uh, the way Michigan state currently is, is uh, projected or, you know, at least carries that number uh, in the AP poll, um, but should be a, a good game. And, and, you know, to some folks who aren't as tuned in to uh, the, you know, odds and, and point spreads might be a little bit of a surprise to expect uh, Washington to be the favorite team here, but is it home? And, and that's an improved team. So um, I expect it'll be close and, and it's certainly one that I'm looking forward to watching. What do you think Xavier? Cause this does look like a nice close game on paper between Michigan state and Washington. Um, you know, uh, one is ranked, one is not. One has right. uh, been a little more impressive than the other as well. Uh, but Washington is favored. So how do you see this game playing out? You know, honestly, like, and this is going to sound unfortunate. I I think Washington's the better, is more prepared for this ball game. Here's my biggest thing. I don't trust Peyton Thorne. I just don't. I, I talked about it coming into the year, how he was going to have to take another step as the quarterback for that team if they genuinely wanted to replicate anything that they did last season. He has not done that. They beat Akron 52 to nothing. He had 268 yards, zero touchdowns, two picks. That's not going to cut it anywhere else in this season. Like, that's just not a stat line you can uh, trust yourself to win with against better opponents. And when I look at this Washington team, I, Michael Penix, man, he looks good. 
I mean, obviously he hasn't played nearly, um, you know, hasn't played necessarily anybody as uh, quote unquote, but you know, four touchdowns in his last performance looks like a guy who's finally hundred percent uh, healthy. You know, it, it just, you, you see what he's been able to do on the field so far. And it's giving you flashbacks of what he was able to do with Indiana a couple years ago. And that could not be nothing but good for, for Washington going forward. I said last year, their biggest worry for me was Dylan Morris. He's no longer the quarterback there. So my confidence for them has gone way up. I mean, just way up. And so I think that this is a team who you're absolutely right, Nick, underperformed mightily last year. But I don't necessarily think that's 100% akin to the talent that they have. I think this year they show that they're a way better team than they were uh, last season. And I think they show in this game that, you know, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with at least. You know, they might ruin a season here uh, here or there. And I think they start with Michigan State this weekend. They they, probably, they put them on notice. <clears throat> I didn't put Michigan State in my fraud watch, but the more I'm talking about it, I probably should have. Because uh, <laughs> Peyton Thorne just genuinely worries me as a quarterback right now. He just looks like he hasn't been able to take that next step. And I said that about a couple of quarterbacks that have to take that next step if they're going to really – you know, replicate anywhere what they need to or be a double-digit win ball club. He was on that short list, and so far, not so good. Yeah, uh, I, I I understand that. So uh, you're you're going with the Huskies then, huh? Yep, I think I think also obviously with them went, with them being at home, I think that gives me a push there as well. Uh, Peyton Thorne has not been a good, a great quarterback on the road, barring you know. So I'm just not a fan. I'm just not a fan of him coming into this matchup. Um, I think this is a game where they get, you know, they get found out a little bit, um, unfortunately. Um, and, and, you know, they they run into a team that has a lot to prove. I mean, they got one heck of a chip on their shoulder, um, if anybody in the Pac-12, because of the performance that they put out last season. So I think they go ahead and get that, that you know, that chip off, you know, started with this game this week against Michigan State. All right. We go over to the next game. Another uh, interesting game here. Texas Tech on the road at number 16, NC State. The line is NC State by 10. Um, we have it in the same range. The total is 55 and a half. Uh, we're on the over in terms of that by uh, a handful of points here. Uh, but, Nick, this is an interesting one. Uh, Texas Tech looked great against Houston. They won at home. Um, it was a very good game, too, a double OT game. Uh, a very, very fun one to watch. What do you think about uh, this game? NC State, um, you know, they struggled against ECU uh, in week one. Um, I'm not sure what to think of them. Devin Leary's kind of been hot and cold so far. So uh, how do you see this Texas Tech versus NC State game playing out? Uh, I mean, at, at this point, I think our projection and the odds makers are, are uh, pretty close to what I would – expect um between a touchdown and and 10 points seems about right for nc state this game is at home uh i absolutely agree that they didn't look great in week one against east carolina but perhaps it was a little bit of a wake-up call um you know i didn't watch the game last week against charleston southern but you know when you win 55 to 3 Probably, uh, you know, not too many major errors. Uh, probably a good, you know, crisp, clean game, I would expect, for the most part. Texas Tech got a big win. Um, they certainly were tested. Obviously, were taken to overtime, but um, probably, you know, 
was a win that built confidence, a little momentum, you know, head into uh, this week and, and this road trip with an expectation that, you know, they can go and, and get a win, that they can beat a top 25 team because Houston was in uh, was in the top 25 last week. They, you know, took care of business at home. Uh, now they'll just have to, to go on the road and do it. Uh, Donovan Smith has looked really, you know, pretty good uh, filling in for Tyler Shuck, who's been out with a shoulder injury, missed last week, uh, was injured in week one. But Smith is, you know, taken over in, in a lot of ways, is a more dangerous quarterback because he does have the ability um, to really hurt opponents on the ground and NC State is a uh you know experienced solid defense um that is going to have its hands full uh with Smith with a deep receiving core that is um you know we expect Miles Price to be the go-to guy and and you know last week he certainly showed up um but they've you know already seen some things from uh, Fungi and, and from Jerron Bradley in week one. Last week, uh, Nehemiah Martinez, you know, had a, a, a strong showing. Um, so Texas Tech is is uh, going to be a, a good test. They are certainly um, not, you know, far more talented than East Carolina, but I would say pretty obviously the most talented team that uh, NC State will have faced thus far. And so it'll be a good test for uh, the Wolfpack to see, you know, was that week one uh, close call that bit of a wake up call? And and now they're going to, you know, round into form as the top 25, top 15 um, ACC, you know, championship contender that a lot of people expect. Uh, or, you know, will Texas Tech continue to um play at a high level and, and uh, prove capable of, of really being a, you know, factor in their own conference race. So um, it's a good, you know, non-conference matchup should be an entertaining game strength versus strength. I think in a lot of ways, though, that Texas tech defense is actually a lot better this year than, you know, one of our, our memories of uh, Texas Tech defenses being in, in recent years. They do have one of the best edge rushers in the country, potential you know, first-round candidate in Tyree Wilson, certainly a name to know. Keyshawn Merriweather had a big game last week. I believe he was on the uh, PFF team of the week, so graded out really, really well. Secondary is experienced and deep. Um, so this, this Texas Tech team – is a little more well-rounded probably than a lot of people assume. And, you know, that I think will offer a a pretty good test to Devin Leary and and that uh, NC State offense that they're still, you know, struggling a little bit to find playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Or at least that's the question that we had coming into the season. Um, but they're, you know, this, this will be that opportunity. This will be, uh, a good test. And, and I think that that, yeah, eight to 10 seems about right. Our projection, uh, does have Texas tech covering, but just barely our final score predictions, 35, 26 at first glance, that seems a little bit low, but I, you know, as I mentioned that Texas tech defense, I think is a little bit better, uh, than at least, we might give them credit for 
just knowing the name and, and seeing the helmet, you think Texas Tech usually you know, gives up some points, but um, two solid defenses with some offensive playmakers as well. So should be a, a fun matchup, and I think Texas Tech will be a uh, – like I said before, a, a, a good test, but one that NC State probably should win and, and should win by uh, a touchdown or more. So that 35, you know, 28, uh, something in that range, I think seems about right. Xavier, what do you think here? This is, uh, seems like it's going to be a fun game, Texas Tech and NC State. Uh, you know, Texas Tech, probably a little bit better than I thought they were watching them against Houston because that was another game I had a bet on. Got the hook, won it by the hook. Uh, <laughs> Pitt, um, Pitt screwed me on the hook the week before, nice. uh, but I won by the hook in, in this game. Not nearly as much money as I lost on Pitt, but uh, you know, <laughs> uh, th- this was uh, this was a fun one to watch. That went into overtime against Houston. That's a good squad. Right. Yeah. They're playing another good squad this week. It's on the road this time though, uh, and a tougher matchup. So how do you how do you think this one's going to play out? Yeah, I mean, you look at. I think this is a Texas Tech team. I feel confident in right now. Um, you know, I think when, when it comes to NC State, I'm still waiting for a couple of uh, for, for Devin Leary to put together that performance. Now, I'm not going to count to Charles' other game. I'm I'm not a guy who kind of reads into that all too much, um, unless like what I did with Payne Thorne, you're just really, really bad um, or, or really underwhelming um, in, in your performances. Uh, with, but with him, I just I'm waiting to see him put together that kind of game that has all the NFL scouts so excited about what this kid could possibly be. Um, and maybe it is this week that he puts that together. I'm just not a thousand percent sure. And even in the East Carolina game, they rely on their running game a lot to get them the big, you know, the the, the big decisions were not with him with, um, him having the ball in his hand. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about that one. I, I love what Texas Tech showed last week in that game. They showed a lot of fight. You know, te- Texas Tech is one of those teams that if you let them hang around, and, and Scott, you know this better than anybody, they're a team that can that has yes, – Thank you, Xavier. Appreciate that. I'm that because of your Big 12 fandom, not necessarily because of anything they've done to Texas in the recent years. Uh, you know, I, I, they're a team that can and will beat you. And, and I think this week, you know, I, I love their quarterback. I think he has a dynamicism that, you know, they're going to have to pre- they have to prepare for. Um, and him being possibly the leading passer and leading rusher of that team is something you've got to plan for. And, and I think he's going to really give them a lot of fits. Holton Aylers gave uh, North, uh, NC State a ton of fits on the ground. You know, he not only did he throw for 211, in that game, or excuse me, 274 in that game, but he also was, you know, uh, East Carolina's leading rusher with 48 yards in that game. So he gave them all types of fits. Their secondary, um, and that being, um, and that being NC State worries me a little bit. You know, uh, CJ Johnson and company kind of got away with what they wanted to, um, in that ball game, and that kind of concerns me a ton when you're talking about the type of receivers that Nick, you know, alluded to earlier. You know, and more importantly, the confidence that they have in those receivers, especially after last week. Yeah, I, I thought that. You know what East Carolina's entire intention was that whole ball game was to go 50-50 and that we're just going to be better athletes and better than you on the on the edge or on the outside, excuse me. So I'm going to pick Texas Tech here. I think that NC State wins if they win this game. It'll be because Devin Leary, you know, goes out there has a 285 and three touchdown afternoon. Um, it really shows everybody why he could be a a top 20 pick or excuse me, just a first round draft pick in general. Uh so but for me to say that he has to put that kind of performance together for them to win, just a little bit too concerning for me. So I'm going to go with Texas Tech here. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I It's going to be an interesting one. I I could see, I you know, this is one that I will not touch with my money. I can tell you that much because I see paths 
to both of these teams winning this game. So uh, I probably won't be touching it. And if I did, I would take the points with Texas Tech as well. Um, Penn State, number 22 Penn State on the road against Auburn. Penn State, a three-point favorite in this one. Uh, looks like we actually have it. Um, what is that, Nick? Is that Penn State by two or would that be Auburn by two? This is one of uh, a handful this week that we've got uh, our projections say the wrong team is favored. And I am Do not... our projections know that Auburn just barely beat San Jose State last week? <laughs> uh, they do. They do. Okay. Don't put a ton of weight <laughs> on that. Um, uh, most of our, you know, the, the biggest piece of the puzzle, if, as we mentioned often, our uh, talent numbers and yes. our projections see this as a pretty even um, matchup talent wise. And, and certainly Auburn has a lot of, you know, noise that we've talked about a lot in the you know last few months, something that I think from the outside looking in, it's easy to uh, expect that it will impact Auburn's play. And, and you're absolutely right. They were not impressive last week against uh, San Jose State, you know, didn't you almost want to have that game before you come into a big rank game, though? You want to have your down game, you want to get all those mistakes and the sloppiness. I mean, you never want to look bad, but if sure. you're going to look bad, you want to look bad in San Jose State so you're concentrated and you're focused going into this Penn State game because you know if you make those mistakes against Penn State, they're going to roll you right over. Sure. So, you know, uh, and the talent is on the field, right? Um, we talk about this a lot. I do think coaching matters more uh, in football than in any other sport, uh, I believe. And um, I also think I that, uh, you know, the talent, you know, it, it's funny that the best coaches in NFL history, all, a lot of them had the best players. Uh, what a <laughs> shock there, right? Uh, it's really not that hard to win. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I shouldn't say it's not hard, but it's, yeah, it, it's an easier path to win six Super Bowls when your quarterback is Tom Brady than if it was Carson Wentz. You know what I mean? I'm, ju I'm just, the, these are not hard one plus one equals two statements to, to say. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you look in terms of talent, you know, SEC should slap the taste out of most teams' mouth, regardless of school name, uh, because they get a lot of talent in this conference. Most of the big-time talent goes to the SEC, and Auburn is a prominent team in the SEC. So most years on paper, the most skilled team between Penn State and Auburn is going to be Auburn. Uh, but it just doesn't always add that way up on the field. Uh, and coaching has a lot to do with that. So, um, you know, but we have also seen James Franklin make a bevy of mistakes in his coaching career. Right. So this one, this one's going to be so interesting, uh, to watch on Saturday. And the total is 49. We're closer to that, uh, much closer to that than we are, um, you know, Penn state being favored in this game. So what do we think in a uh, tougher matchup here, Nick? Do you like the Nittany Lions, or do you think the Tigers take it out personally? Well, so, uh, you know, our our talent numbers on this matchup are pretty even. Both are right around, you know, high teens, top 20, uh, in our roster strength numbers on both sides of the ball. Um, Auburn certainly has some questions. I mean, you wonder how the – 
you know, job situation and the noise surrounding the Brian Harson uh, offseason, you know, how that will bleed over into the on-field product. But Penn State is a team that has underachieved uh, in the last couple of years. So they're not, um, you know, immune from that sort of thing as well. This game is at Jordan-Hare Stadium. That, you know, that's where the two and a half points comes in you know, pretty well. If this were a neutral site game, we'd have Penn State favored by about a half a point. Um, but being at Auburn, you know, we, we do have that adjustment in there. And and uh, I think that, you know, there's a, a little bit of buzz. There's some speculation. I know one of the uh, Auburn captains mentioned that he'd like orange jerseys, you know, and, and who knows if that'll happen. But uh, that seems like a silly thing maybe to, to even <laughs> bring up, but you know, players get excited for things, you know, uniforms and, and things that haven't happened. And, and there's just, it's a little added layer of intrigue and excitement that uh, may or may not, you know, mean anything at all, but uh, it it's, it's very possible in my opinion that, Auburn is a little bit of an underrated team because, you know, Brian Harson is on the short list of now that Scott Frost is out of the way, who's the next guy to get fired. And and it may very well be Brian Harson. Maybe Auburn, you know, puts together a losing streak and, and uh, it just it isn't sustainable. It's, it's not going to work out. Uh, but also, you know, despite last week being a little bit of a lackluster final result, as we talked about in the preseason, you know, with obviously the the exception, and it's a big one, of the quarterback, we haven't seen great play out of TJ Finley. Um, but elsewhere, Auburn has, you know, got very few at least roster personnel question marks. They've got a solid running back duo, Tank Bigsby. Um, and Jark was Hunter, one of the, one of the better one, two punches in the sec. Um, they've shown, I think a little bit of growth at the receiver position this year, the offensive line, you know, not spectacular, but decent, um, and, and certainly experienced, uh, the defense, I think, you know, when we mentioned in our, our team previews, uh, I think the defense has the potential to be a top 10 defense nationally. Um, they haven't really been tested so far this year. Uh, and, in you know, the early stats, they're playing at like a top 40, top 35 level, but talent wise, I mean, there are, there are some single digit numbers in, in those unit rankings. Um, some, you know, very close to top 10, uh, and, and every level of the defense is top 30 talent wise. Um, I think that there's chance that Auburn is, is just being, you know, slightly underrated. Um, Penn state, like I mentioned, has underachieved at times, but they look like they've taken a little bit of a step forward. Uh, they were able to find a way to beat Purdue. And then last week against Ohio, you know, it wasn't 55 to nothing, but, uh, the, the, you know, end result was never really in doubt. They played a pre- pretty clean game. Uh, we saw, our first, you know, real big game from Nick Singleton, the five-star true freshman running back. Uh, next, probably big star of the Penn State offense. Sean Clifford, 
has looked, you know, decent at times. Uh, we've got a, a little bit of a, a peek at some other uh, really talented players, freshmen as well. Drew Alar uh, is, you know, knocking on the door, trying to take that job away from Clifford. That might help elevate his level of play. Uh, Clifford's to, to try to hold off um, that quarterback, but you know, we've seen some good things early from Mitchell Tinsley, the transfer wide receiver from Western Kentucky. Parker Washington, of course, is there. Uh, Penn State is a little bit banged up at the tight end position, but it uh, sounds like they're hopeful to get Theo Johnson back after he's missed the first couple of games. Um, they've also had a little bit of injury uh, concerns in uh, the front of the defense, the, the defensive line, because Azard was out last game. Um, but Penn State similarly, and, and, you know, no shock to anyone here, uh, has very few major question marks personnel wise as well. Quarterback certainly has some room for improvement, much like Auburn. I will say, I forgot to mention Auburn has done a couple of things early this year, uh, getting other quarterbacks involved, involved Robbie Ashford, has played, added a little bit of uh, a different element of athleticism, and they've done some interesting things. I don't know if you guys saw that, uh, like, jet sweep triple option play they ran against Mercer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had two quarterbacks on the field. They handed off to Ashford coming across and then ran an option. Pretty sweet. You know, just, just one play. I think they had a couple, um, and it sounds like there's more in the playbook in that package. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, yeah, anyway. So uh, this is a, a pretty evenly matched game. It would not surprise me at all if it plays out very similar to how it did last year, you know, close game and Penn State comes out on top or close game and the home team comes out on top. Um, but uh, this is one that our projections do have Auburn as a very slight favorite. Um, it's the biggest you know, edge of, of uh, the main games that we're talking about today in our projections. A lot of ours are very close to what the odds makers have. Um, but it's still, it's just, you know, a couple of points on the other side. Uh, so we expect it to, to be a close game, expect it to be a relatively low scoring game. Our final score prediction is 27, 24, you know, 20 to 17, uh, I think is, is certainly within the realm of possibility. Um, another one that I think maybe we're just a, a little, you know, little too high on our projection, probably going to be a, a, a defensive game more than an offensive game, um, but should be a close one, should be a good one. And, you know, I guess hopefully for our, our numbers sake and our projection sake, um, Auburn is, is just at a little bit of a discount right now, just because of some of the uh, outside concerns around the program. But I will take a team with, you know, equal or slightly better talent, uh, at home more often than not. So uh, I, I'm happy to be on Auburn to cover and, and think there certainly is a chance that they'll win this game. Xavier, what do you think? Uh, you know, Auburn obviously been disappointing. We've talked about Harson right. uh, be, being on the hot seat. Uh, James Franklin, though, uh, is not on the coolest of seats. In not at all. We'll say that. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say he's in the hot seat right now, but – um, you know, another somewhat disappointing season and Penn State uh, backers are going to start getting uh, you pretty know, mad. You know his, his seat reminds me of? It feels very Bielema, Bo Pelini-esque. You okay. just, you just can't, get the, you just can't get the big win. 
you you're consistently you know a good team but just not a great team um and that in that conference this isn't going to get it done when you're constantly being compared to Ohio State Michigan and even last year with Michigan State so um I, I think when you look at this game and this is a narrative that Nick kind of alluded to but I'm just going to kind of harp on a little bit more I think if Sean Clifford has a bad game this might be the 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 penultimate last game for him to be honest with you the hype around Drew Aller is real. I think he's a guy who they're ready to turn the script, to flip the script on uh, Sean Clifford and what he's done at Penn State. Uh, it feels very, very, very much reminiscent to what Jake Browning's last year at Washington was, where they understood that they, you know, they understood what he was, but they just weren't necessarily happy with the final product at all times. And I think with Sean Clifford, he is a couple of big wins or big losses away from losing that job and then flipping the script, especially if you're James Franklin. You really got to think about, you know, what's the future for your job? And the future for your job is Drew Aller at this point. Um, that, that kid is, in, my, in all opinions, from everybody that I've talked to, a bona fide stud. And I, I think that to, to what Nick was talking about, that is why I think Sean Clifford is going to play better because he feels that kid breathing down his neck. Uh, and he also feels the fan base also clamoring for Drew Aller to be the starting quarterback um, for, for her Penn State at this point. Um, I, I like Sean Clifford coming into this game to play and be a gamer. That's the one thing Sean Clifford has been at his time at, at uh, Penn State. He'll put his body on the line, whatever he has to do to get a win. Not always good, but whatever he has to do to get a win, he tries to. Um, and I just have a lot more confidence in what he's able to do as, from the quarterback position than what Auburn's able to do right now. And that's why I'm going to lean toward Penn State for this win because I just don't trust TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford. And sue me if I if I sound outlandish with that statement. But TJ Finley is a guy who has yet to you know find his footing. You know, um, you know, obviously he's had a multitude of injuries in his career. Uh, you know, he had the broken foot against Bama last year. I mean, you know, he's he's been in and out the lineup, but it just seems like he hasn't been able to find his footing um at the quarterback position. And then Robbie Ashford, I mean, yes, I love, don't get me wrong, what they're able to do with him as a as an athlete, but as a quarterback right now, he has a lot. He's very he need he's raw. He's raw and he needs some refining. Uh, and, and for me, I'm just not ready to claim either one of them as the guy, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. I think this is going to be a kind of a revolving door as the year continues, especially when they get in the SEC play and we see one guy have a good game, one guy have a bad game, one guy have a good game, one guy have a bad game. Uh, so I'm going to lean on the side of Penn State here. I trust Sean Clifford a little bit more um, going into this ball game, And with it being on the road, um, I think this is a guy who's played in a ton of hostile you know, atmospheres. I mean, heck, he's what was he a fifth year he's super senior or a fifth year senior at this point? Uh, Sean Clifford's been in and around it for a while now. So this isn't his first rodeo. And, and I think that he wins this ball game off of sheer wheel, sheer wheel. Uh, you know, uh, some, some duct tape might be necessary. You know, you know, I just think that he's going to do whatever he needs to do to keep that job. Like what Nick said. And to do that, he's going to have to go into Auburn and win that ball game. Yeah, this, uh, this is going to be a good one. Uh, another solid one, I believe. Is that a late game? This week, I hope um, so. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, like up against a bunch of different games. It's a three thirty kickoff. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, I got CBS. stuff to do in the middle. Of the game as well. Oh great. I got stuff to do in the middle of the day. I don't like it, but um, all right. Well, let's move on uh, to uh, the final game. We'll go in depth on here. Uh, BYU number twelve at Oregon number twenty five. Uh, you know BYU. Uh, has played uh, some tough games already. Uh, they uh, beat South Florida, but Baylor at 26-20 win. Uh, it took it was a gutsy effort. It took everything they had uh, to end up beating Baylor. That was a really fun game uh, last Saturday evening, a very, very late one. Uh, Oregon, 
smashed and got smashed. You know, Georgia and Eastern Washington, very different opponents here. So now uh, back to, you know, if you're playing in the Power Five, back to another ranked team. Uh, Oregon, here you go. So uh, going to be a tough one. Uh, the line has it as Oregon is a three-and-a-half favorite. Uh, we have it uh, in Oregon's favor by a little bit more than that. Um, the total is 57-and-a-half. We are right on that total, Nick. So uh, BYU at Oregon, interesting, fun game in Eugene. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, our, our projection has Oregon closer to a touchdown. Um you know, 5.8 is the official projection. And to me, that seems a touch high. Um, I do think that Oregon is the more talented team. Our numbers expect, uh, you know, uh, say that Oregon is the more talented team, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, top 10 uh, in defensive roster strength for Oregon. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they did correct some things, obviously got on the, the right side uh, of a blowout win last week against Eastern Washington. Um, I'm sure, you know, rebuilt a little bit of confidence. Uh, but that week one just, you know, I mean, they were embarrassed by Georgia in week one. Um, that still looms pretty large. And BYU, I mean, you know, as Javier mentioned it, uh, said it really well, where they just find a way to win again. Um, and so this seems like a game where Oregon is going to have to scratch and fight and claw uh, to, to win. And, you know, they do have home field advantage, obviously. They do have, at least on paper, uh, slightly more talent, but they, you know, have a fairly new coaching staff. And, and the only time that they've played a team with comparable talent um they were just absolutely manhandled um oregon's got a five-man running back rotation you know you would you would kind of like uh for them to to have somebody step up bo nix was uh, hot and cold the first couple of weeks um you know will he be able to to build off of last week um, and, you know, put this offense in, in a position to be successful against a BYU defense that uh, I think is improved. Certainly the numbers were not good last year, but they're off to a decent start so far this season. Um, and, you know, last week against Baylor, played, played tough, um, did some good things on the defensive side of the ball. There will be some concern, you know, will BYU get Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua or one of the two back? Um, certainly, you know, Chase Roberts had a big game last week, but uh, you'd love to have <laughs> your top two wide receivers or at least one of the two uh, if you're BYU because that Oregon secondary is um, is quite talented. You know, they, they've recruited really, really well over the last few years. And though it's a fairly young um, unit, I mean, guys like Jamal Hall, Steve Stevens, uh, they brought in a couple of transfers who are going to be playing, um, you know, some some important snaps. Um, it, it certainly, if you're BYU and you're hoping to go on the road and, and pull off this upset, beat another top 25 team, uh, build that, you know, dare I say, playoff resume. Um 
they're you know going to need to be able to stretch the field. They're going to need to have all the weapons at their disposal to really feel like they're going to be able to to go out there and and you know put it to Oregon. So I would if if I were BYU, you know, if I were on uh, if our projections were on the side of BYU, um, I would feel a whole lot better if I knew that they were. Uh, you know, healthy coming into this game. Um, but I don't honestly have a great feel for Oregon. And so I don't necessarily love that we're on Oregon to cover, but, um, you know, hopefully third game in a uh, new coaching staff um, heading into the start of Pac-12 play. You know, maybe some things are finally uh, working themselves out, getting a little more comfortable, and then perhaps building off of last week's performance. Um, our projection of 32-26, again, seems maybe a touch high. Uh, maybe a 28-24, probably a little bit better, 27-24, something in, in that range. Uh, I, I would expect... Um, or I think that it's, it's uh, very possible this game plays out really similarly to last week's BYU-Baylor game. Um, for our sake, for our projection's sake, you know, if the home team comes out ahead again, uh, we'll be happy about that. But I do think that this will be a, another close game. And, you know, we may not actually get the six overtime games this week, but at least, you know, this slate of five that we're talking about here uh, in greater depth uh, on paper – they all they all look like they could uh, be that type of game where there'll be you know one possession. Um, either team I think has a, a really really good chance of winning, um, and certainly there might be a blowout or two. Things don't always you know work out uh, quite like how we project them, but this should be another of those games that could come down to the final play, could come down uh, to a field goal at the end to win it. And, you know, we think that, or at least our projections say that Oregon will be that team, but it certainly could be BYU. I think they are good enough uh, to win this game. And, and part of that is, you know, that result two weeks ago for Oregon. I just, it, it's difficult for me to trust them uh, to take care of business against a, a team that does find ways to win like BYU does. Xavier, I mean, Nick's not wrong to say he doesn't have a good feel on Oregon because okay. we, we've seen them blow out an FCS team and get smashed by Georgia. So we don't know where they stand in between here. So um, this is a tough one to pick against a good BYU team that is a little nicked up. So uh, what do you think of uh, this interesting BYU versus Oregon game? My question is, is if Baylor hits their field goals, are we talking about BYU in the same light? I'm not 100% sure about that. And for me, when I look at this game, I go, okay, cool. Bo Nix has had his Bo Nix game. Now it's time for the Bo Nix redemption arc. Like he's got to put together a performance today or just today, this weekend, or, you know, there's going to be a lot of questions around whether or not his transfer to Oregon was the right decision. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to move on from him from quarterback position, but definitely he's got to be a question mark there. I think, you know, with it being at Austin, I'm a little bit more comfortable picking Oregon in this matchup. I just think Baylor's a little bit too beat up. You know, I, I, Baylor, excuse me, BYU's just a little bit too beat up coming into this matchup. I think, you know, they got away with it last week, but they were also at home. The crowd was raucous. They had all everybody behind them. That helps. 
that helps a ton, of especially course, when yeah. you're fighting, you know, when, when you're fighting with, you know, uh, one hand tied behind your back in some respects, which is what they look like last week, you know, with their injury report and it just got deeper. And so I think going into Alton, that's one of the better, that's one of the better uh, atmospheres in college football. Um, if anybody's ever been able to go, go, it's a great time. Uh, and, and I just think that this is like one of those games where Bo Nix is able to have a little bit of a coming out party against a good BYU team that I think fully healthy. I'd be leaning more BYU, but two weeks you be ranked teams like, you know, being as beat up as they are, that would just be extremely impressive. I just don't see that happening. Um, I'm going to go with Bo Nix and, and Oregon at home to handle business. And, and I understand the, you know, the uh, the feelings about Oregon after the Georgia loss. But it's Georgia. Right now, they look like the best team in the country right now. You know, I, and so I just think that, you know, we can only pull from so much when, you know, Georgia, you know, and now, you know, they, they play obviously South Carolina this week. But Georgia just so far has probably had the biggest statement win of any team in the country as of right now. So, I'm not going to look too much into it. Also, Georgia just has Bo Nix's number. He's never beat Georgia. So I, I just think that this is a different game, a different atmosphere for, for Bo to kind of, you know, right the ship a little bit. And, and by getting a ranked win over, uh, like I said, a good BYU team, injured or not, it, it will, will go a long way in endearing himself to the Oregon faithful. Yeah. Uh, and a bunch of other interesting games this week as well here, uh, gentlemen. Uh Oklahoma at Nebraska, and they're only 11 and a half point favorite, which was a little surprising to me. But, you know, uh, we talked about this, Nick. We saw it a bunch of times last year, too. When a coach gets fired, the kids either rally around the new coach because they know that was the right decision or they come out flat. It's hard to know which is which here. So there's some talent, obviously, on this Nebraska team. Um, I wouldn't, I would say not as much as Oklahoma, obviously. So, uh, this is an interesting line. We also have, um, Fresno state at USC. USC is a 13 point favorite, uh, high, high over there at 70 and a half is an interesting one. We talked about how UTSA only plays in overtime games. They got Texas possibly down to the third string quarterback. Texas is 11 point home favorite in that one. Uh, Kansas, your uh, college football, your FBS leading scorer on the road against Houston. Houston is a 10-point favorite in that one uh, with an over 62.5. And Ole Miss on the road at Georgia Tech are 15.5-point favorites. So uh, some interesting games here, Nick. Uh, any of them you want to talk about or uh, you know walk us through here? Uh, well, just you know, real quick on the Nebraska Oklahoma, um, we did make an adjustment uh, because coach ratings are part of our process, and you know, it's based on past performance. Did the line um, get smaller or or <laughs> So believe it or not, so the way we do it, and it's it's you know not a perfect system. I'm sure there's of course, yeah. a, a better way. Perhaps. None of them are. Um, right, right. But it's, it's sort of the way we do things and, and we've had some success with it. Uh, but it's based a coach's head, a head coach rating, which is only like 7% of our projection. Uh, and a lot of it is actually, I don't know. Anyway, I'll start up. The, <laughs> the head coach's projection is based entirely on uh, team performance ratings. And we do have a, you know, database of historical team performance ratings a lot of advanced stats go into that uh gives us basically a grade for each team in every season and those are applied to you know each team 
obviously, but we take the head coach specific uh, team performance ratings, and that is their you know head coach rating, and, and that travels with them to a new team. Uh, Scott Frost certainly you know had a, a little bit of a rough go. Uh, his head coach rating was a, a couple of points below average. Um, you guys probably would have expected it to be way below average, uh, but Nebraska did underperform its, you know, talent profile, um, but not by a huge amount. I mean, how many close losses did they have? Right. And, and we don't care as much, or at least our team performance numbers don't care at all about wins and losses. They care about the underlying numbers. Um, and, and so, you know, slightly below average, but now they're with an interim head coach. Um, it's even more imperfect, probably what we do in that situation. When there's a new head coach, there's no history of uh, that coach-specific team performance. We give sort of a generic rating. And, and so actually went with a lower uh, rating for uh, – his name just uh, – Escape me, Mickey Joseph, right? Trent came in from LSU. Yes. Uh, he's the, the interim head coach uh, there at Nebraska now. So um, there is, I don't have specific numbers to back this up, but it seems to me that the week after a head coach is, uh, you know, changed, you do get a little bit of a bounce um, but we're not expecting a huge one. Our numbers already had this projected a little bit closer than that 11 and a half. So we do have Nebraska expected to cover Oklahoma should win it. Um, but if there really is a bit of a bounce, you know, and, and Mickey Joseph has got a reputation as a great recruiter seems to get along really well with players, perhaps they rally around him, you know, perhaps there is a little bit of a, a coming together and, and sort of rising up uh, that, that Nebraska could go with. That's a lot of speculation uh, on my part, but it's, it's certainly possible. But anyway, we do have Nebraska expected to cover. I don't necessarily know what to expect. I don't have an argument really one way or the other on that. The one that's actually a little bit more interesting to me is the Fresno State at USC. Uh, I agree with what Xavier said at the beginning that USC has looked really, really good. They've looked really impressive watching them. Um, but uh, Bill Connolly, of course, you know one of one of uh, my favorites and and uh, an influencer, um, uh, posts these really in-depth uh, advanced stats box scores where he highlights some important factors. And I just want to point out a couple um, that. He mentioned in the USC win over Stanford, um, USC one has really, really struggled against the run. Uh, they rank in the bottom 12 in the country in rushing success rate allowed. Um, they have allowed a ton of explosive runs as well. Uh, and their defense has really, really uh, been leaning on big plays and turnovers. And I'm going to read this verbatim, uh, what he what he wrote here, pointing out that, you know, USC won the turnover battle four to nothing uh, in the win over Stanford. And in two games, USC has created two point three expected turnovers and eight actual turnovers. 
Turnovers are worth four to five points on average in field position value. So that's 23 to 28 points worth of turnovers luck in two games. Certainly made quite a difference in this one. But also, you know, when you rely on uh, turnovers to make, you know, big plays and set up short fields, that's what Iowa was doing all last year, right? And they rose up to top five in the country Then they got exposed. I think that USC basically the first two games have, have gone about as well as I could have expected. You know, the transfers are really uh, clicking on offense uh, and, you know, some are making some plays on defense as well, but I'm a little concerned that that turnovers luck is going to even out a little bit. And I'm a little bit concerned that USC right now can't really stop the run. And Fresno State is a pretty balanced offense. And Jordan Mims is off to a good start and one of the better running backs in the Mountain West. So uh, we have that game projected very close to what the odds makers have. Our uh, projections 12 and a half. We do expect Fresno State to cover, but barely. Um, so it could go one of two ways. Either USC takes a step on defense to kind of catch up with that offense that right now seems to, you know, be playing at a, a high level, about as high as we could have expected. Um, or the defense, you know, finally gets exposed a little bit and a good Fresno State team uh, that lost. You know, one of the we didn't even mention how Fresno State lost to Oregon State on the last play of the game, uh, touchdown on the final play. Um, incredible finish. Uh, they're capable of winning this game. You know, Fred, that that would not be a shocker because Fresno State, we've seen that program in recent years uh, knock off big name opponents on the road, and, and it could happen again. Uh, if USC doesn't clean up a couple of things um, on defense. Xavier, your thoughts on, on any of these games here, a bunch of interesting ones uh, for the rest of the week. Obviously, you know, this Oklahoma Nebraska game is one we're probably gonna be paying the most attention to, but I'm really into this Kansas and Houston game. I mean, I just want to yeah. take the over in it, to be honest with you, because I think uh, Kansas actually putting together a decent offense is something fun to watch here. Maybe yeah. they won't be the same against, uh, Houston, of course, uh, one of the hardest opponents that they're going to play this year. But right. um, uh, how do you how do you see uh, which one of these games piques your interest here? Well, obviously, you know, obviously you hit it right on the head. For me, this game is in my fraud watch territory. I've got three of them, and that's all because they're all three double digit favorites. I'm not a fan of uh, any of those. Uh, in, in that case, uh, starting with Kansas and Houston, I'm not a fan of Houston being double digit favorite over Kansas right now. I understand that Kansas is a team that in his in you know. In past years, it's just been downright awful. But this Kansas team looks a little bit better and a lot better, a lot more explosive offensively. Uh, you know, I, I said before the season started, I thought Lance Leopold could get this team going in the right direction. So far, so good. Uh, they would get, what you know, outside of, I mean, this guy has to be the earliest they've ever gotten a, a Big 12 win in the last couple of years. You know, obviously they beat Texas last year, but it's, uh, this has to be the earliest. Um, also, when's the last time Kansas started 2-0? I, I would love to know what that is. Um, but yeah, so I, I really like Kansas to cover that, that, uh, was it 10 point spread? Another one for me is UTSA at Texas. Nick already alluded to it. Texas is down possibly to their third string quarterback. UTSA is one heck of a ball club. I understand that they're one and one, but they, they have horses that can go. And I really think this is a team that can go with Texas offensively. Defensively would be a whole nother question. 
But I do think they have enough, you know, in the stable to possibly, you know, hold on to this game and, and you know, cover that 11-point spread. And then lastly, Georgia Tech and Ole Miss. And I know that one sounds a little crazy, and I understood it when I put it down that it might sound a little bonkers for Georgia Tech to be on that list after getting beat by 40 by, by 31 to, to a Clemson team that offensively is challenged in some ways. Here will be my argument. Georgia Tech defensively in that game was much better than people will give it credit for because ultimately Clemson put together, I think, two scoring drives in, in the last six minutes of the game to bolster that old, that score. That game was a lot closer than what people will give it credit for. And Georgia Tech's defense was immensely better than a lot of people will give it credit for in that ballgame. Secondly, <clears throat> along with Haynes King, Jackson Dart is on my fraud list. Don't like him so far. Haven't thought he has put together a, a, you know, a resume yet for me to feel confident in him. And I think Georgia Tech can rattle him a little bit. Not a ton, but a little bit. Enough. Uh, Georgia Tech's also at home, which I think will, will, will bode well for them. If this was in Oxford, it'd be a completely different question. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day. You said Haynes King, but you meant Jackson Dart, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, no, no, I think, I I think you just dislike Haynes King so much you wanted to throw him under the bus one more time. Well, well, Jackson I'm Dart, all- yes, Jackson Dart and Haynes King are both in that fraud <laughs> list for me uh, of SEC quarterbacks that I don't believe in. He's on that list as well. Um, so, yes, I, I think that this game also being in, you know, in Atlanta will, will help Georgia Tech as well. Being in Oxford, obviously, is a different atmosphere and helps out a young quarterback. And even then, they only beat Troy by 18 points. I think Georgia Tech is a little bit better than what we saw from – will be a little bit better than what we saw from Troy in that ball game. Uh, I think they'll be able to cover the 15-point uh, spread that they have. Um, and, yeah, I think that at the end of the day, when we look at this list of fraud watch teams, I think I just think it's a uh, to have all these teams as double-digit favorites. I think it's a little too rich for my blood. Those three teams were Texas, Houston, and Ole Miss. I think all of them get covered in this week. I'm, I'm especially bullish on the Texas one, especially with their quarterback situation, um, and Houston with, you know, coming off of the loss they just had to Texas Tech. Uh, one one quick thing. I just went to look to, to check and make sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas, their preseason win total was two and a half. Kansas right. is two and oh. We were on the over. So if they do <laughs> uh, get this, well, that'll be Imagine if they first. break that by week three. Right. Yeah, now, uh, another one, I, I just was sort of clicking through the, the very bottom because remember, we were on almost every over except the Navy. We were, <laughs> we were on under <laughs> Navy, which that Delaware win helped us. Uh, but <laughs> Vanderbilt, if they take care of business, they're a three-point underdog against Northern Illinois. Uh, but they come in two and one, and and that number was two and a half. So if they're able to to pull off a, a slight upset, um, then you know we'll have a chance at, at uh, booking that uh, over as well. So we Sorry. could potentially have something to celebrate this time next week if one of those teams uh, gets the job done. I'm going to make you guys feel old for two seconds. The last time Kansas started 2-0, <laughs> I was a sophomore in high school. So what? Five so years ago? Four or five years ago. No, 2011. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks. Thanks, guys. What is the way uh, you know what? You called us old. You were a sophomore uh, in high school. I was teaching sophomores in high school. See? There you go. Boom. <laughs> Yeah, I I will not even say what I was doing. uh, Interesting uh, weekend. Xavier, who's on Fraud Watch? Yeah, no, I think that I just hit it on just a little bit. And I hate to do this to you, Scott, but Texas, absolutely. I knew it. I knew you were going to say Texas. 
Listen, ah. listen, it's only because of how hurt you guys at the quarterback position. If it wasn't for – I even believe in Hudson Card a little bit more than I think people give him credit for. I even said it to a ton of friends after the play years went down that, listen, Hudson Card is a gamer. He's going to keep them in this ballgame. He's not going to lose the game for them, and I think he proved me right with that one. Um, I also believe that Houston should be on the fraud watch this week. Um, I, I don't trust him as, as much as I did coming into the year, which hurts me a little bit because I know I came into the year, you know, singing Clayton Toon's praises. Um, and then last but not least, I think Ole Miss. Like I, like I said, I'm not a big believer in Jackson Dart. You're I just going to put Ole Miss on there until they prove you right. right? I mean, they'll, they'll prove me right. It's Ole Miss. They're going <laughs> to prove me right at some point. Like this this is a formality, right? The Ole Miss is not going 12-0. and 12 and 0, So I, they're going to prove me right at some point. More importantly, though, I just think Jackson Dart up until this point has not been as impressive as I'd like for him to be. I um, mean, I think Georgia Tech's defense was much better than I think people give them credit for against Clemson. I think Clemson added on a ton of garbage touchdowns. I mean, even Cade got one with like a minute and 30 seconds to go. Um, and I think their defense was a ton better in that game that people will give them credit for. It's also in Atlanta. So I think that helps Georgia Tech's case in this one. Uh, so, yeah, give me give me those three teams as fraud watching. I think I, I typically do this. Nick convinces me to add one every episode because of the way he talks about it. Um, so the one I'm adding is Michigan State against Washington. Mm. Now, see, but they're they're a favorite. Can you can you put a team on fraud watch if they're an underdog? Yes, because not according to your number, but according to the college football opinions, I think if Michigan State loses as the as a top fifteen team in the country, people are gonna you know talk about that being the biggest upset of the weekend. If that is you know the, the lone ranked team to lose, could be, could be. I, there are a couple just in the last minute or two here that that catch my eye a little bit. Uh, our numbers are pretty high on Georgia Southern. Like we we had a pretty big edge last week for Georgia Southern to cover against Nebraska. We didn't you know, project that they would win. Uh, but one of our biggest edges this week is actually uh, we do have UAB as a favorite, but closer to a field goal instead of 11 and a half against Georgia Southern. And that, that one kind of, you know, that, that just caught my eye that Georgia Southern one of the more talked about teams last week because of the win that ended up getting us our first coach fired. Um, but at least as far as, you know, odds makers go and, and I guess the market, um, not a ton of respect yet, even though UAB is a you know solid team, uh, UAB itself coming off a loss upset by Liberty last week, didn't look great. Um, I don't know. That one, that one caught my eye. Any others this week jump out to you guys as, uh, somewhat surprising lines or, or deeper games, I guess, that, that you know, you'll keep an eye on? Xavier, mm, you got any in particular? I mean, okay, I understand how, and this is going to be, this hurts me a little bit because I understand that in some, I understand it in some ways and others I don't. I get it. Charlotte has looked terrible in some respects. Oh, so bad. But Georgia State's defense it's still not one I feel confident enough for them to be 20-point favorites in the game. Uh, yeah, I just don't see that as, as – I see this game probably being a little bit closer. Uh, than what I, Chris practice. Reynolds is back at practice too, which – Right. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that line at all. Um, I'm also not a huge fan of Iowa being 20-point favorites over anybody at this point. Like, <laughs> Scoring 20 points. points. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, well, they come into this week 22-and-a-half. I get it. The battle lost to Incarnate Word. But come on. You got to be able to put up that kind of points to be favored by that many points. So 
Not a big fan of that one either. Um, I, I Worse think than that, that, our our total projection in that is fifty one, <laughs> which is like what? <laughs> yeah, wow. I know. I, know. <laughs> I understand. It's 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 bad. I know. And then the last <laughs> Notre Dame being a double digit favorite over Cal. Feels I'm intrigued by Cal. I yeah. thought about tweeting something out the other day, and then I was like, eh, maybe not. But they they've done some interesting things on the recruiting trail. Like they've got some they they've got some young talent. Yeah, they do. And Notre Dame has been very shaky. And right. you know, Cal isn't great by any you know stretch of the imagination. But uh, they're two and zero. Oh, and you know, Jaden Knott, one of the did I get his name right, Jaden? Yeah, yeah Jaden Knott, uh, one of the yeah, you know, so far best true freshman running backs in the country. Uh, they recruited a lot of, uh, you know, high rated receivers in the 2021 class who are now coming up and, and getting a lot of playing time. Um, they're just, they're a team that I've got a little bit, you know, I've got my eye on a little bit. Our numbers do not like Cal um, actually have Notre Dame projected to cover, but I personally am. I, I think Cal is a team that, uh, is on the rise a little bit um, and, and has some some talented offensive players, which we haven't really seen uh, very much of that the last few years. Right. And that's even with Buckner being out that they're still projected to cover? Yeah, yeah. There's not a huge okay. drop-off uh, in our numbers okay. for Notre Dame there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we, we do um, – still have them to, to cover. I don't feel great about it, honestly. Uh, I think a, a one-score game, you know, uh, Notre Dame's got to gotta win close, I think, maybe before they win big, especially against a, a Power 5 opponent. Um, but, uh, yeah, we do have them covering just slightly, but I don't, I don't have a ton of confidence in it. What's our line on um, Indiana and WKU, uh, Nick? Because that one is interesting to me. We have Indiana. Okay, so this is this is one. You know, uh, I, I don't think I even mentioned it this week, but anybody who's listened to us the last few years knows we have three different projection models, and so far this year, they haven't. Uh, the majority of lines haven't had massive swings. This one has massive swings. Um, our our official projection has this pretty close to a toss-up has indiana favored by about a point and a half okay our talent edge where we only look at uh roster strength and, and recruiting numbers has indiana favored by double digits and then our stats only model which is a uh three-year weighted team performance uh driven you know stats driven stats only for the team the head coach and the coordinators has Western Kentucky favored by almost three touchdowns. So there is like a wow. 40 point, you know, 40 point difference in our, our projections here. It could go in any direction. Wow. Um, but I think Indiana should win six and a half. Right now seems like kind of a lot. I don't necessarily trust Indiana yet. I know they're two and zero. Western Kentucky has had an extra week to prepare, 
but yeah, our, our projections are all over the place, but our, our main model has it uh, pretty, pretty close. But one interesting thing, and, and I'm glad you brought Indiana up because one uh, in our team profiles, one small change I made is we now include offensive pace uh, on the, on the team page. Um, it's just sort of tucked in uh, in sort of the, the info box in the top left uh, corner of each page. But Indiana against FBS opponents is all we're, we're using right now uh, is the fastest paced offense in the country, which was a big surprise. They are much faster than our projected pace numbers. Um, but kind of a, I don't know, kind of an interesting one there because uh, not a huge total, but Western Kentucky's obviously really fast offense in Indiana, it sounds like, or at least through you know their first game uh, operating at the quickest pace, uh, at least in terms of time between offensive plays. Uh, could be a big total, just a lot of plays run. Yeah, I mean, I that, that looks, because that total is 61 and a half, and you look at that and you, I mean, you, you can see G5 versus P5 and say, well, Indiana should be able to slow WKU down, but they didn't really slow down Idaho last week. So I think WKU should be able to score some points here. So, uh, yeah, I think we're going to like the over. Last one I want to ask you about before we go, why is UCLA only 15.5 point favorites against South Alabama? Probably injury news. Also, South Alabama is better than a lot of people think. They're 2-0. Um, last week – they were underdogs against Central Michigan, and our numbers actually had Central Michigan uh, expected to cover slightly. I did not feel great about it. Um, South Alabama is a good team. They they, they won are, by two touchdowns. Yeah, they are. I would I would say. I mean, we we mentioned that they should be in the mix. You know, could win the Sun Belt West, and I know we said that about just about everybody in the Sun Belt West, <laughs> but I actually like truly believe it. Um, they are solid defensively and they've got some offensive playmakers as well. Carter Bradley looks pretty good at quarterback, but Damian Webb looks good at running back. Uh, South Alabama is a good team is part of it, but I think maybe the, the biggest reason it opened closer to two touchdowns, it's, it's gone up a bit, right. From where it opened. Um, but DTR went out with an injury, didn't return. Zach Charbonnet didn't play. Uh, Michael Zike played, I believe, one snap for UCLA. Um, so I think, I think in part, it's injury related. And so it, it sounds like uh, Thompson Robinson and Charbonnet are, are good to go, uh, shouldn't be limited in this game. But I think when the, the line was officially posted, we didn't know that. We didn't necessarily have a, a real uh, indication that they wouldn't be impacted. Um, so I think part of it's injury wise, but I think part of it also is just South Alabama is a pretty good team. 51% of cash on the Jags uh, on South Alabama here. So uh, interesting. Uh, just took a look at that as we're talking about it. All right. Well, uh, anything else we, uh, or is that it? I think we covered it all. Oh, good. So. <laughs> All right. Well, look, that will. Uh, I won't. I won't mention that we've got LSU favored. Don't do that, Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah. No, don't do that. 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 that wow. Wow. <laughs> I won't um, mention that. Go ahead and cut this part out. That yeah. Is, <laughs> look, is that uh, or no? 
Mississippi State's only favored by two. So. Is that game at home for LSU or no? It's at LSU. At LSU, yeah. Mississippi yeah. State's been good, though. Yeah, that Death yeah. Valley's been great. Gee, no. No, I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> Will Rogers looks so good in that offense now. Yeah, no. I'm sorry I asked. All right. So, uh, <laughs> week two in the Bucks. Uh, we, we're looking ahead towards week three. Good luck on all your bets. Remember, you can follow us all on Twitter at Bogman Sports for myself, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, at Xavier underscore Trish, T R I C H E for Xavier. And we will see you guys next week. Good luck and enjoy it. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. Mm-hmm.